This presentation is from Design Leadership 2020. Our next talk uh, coming up is from Diana and Alan. Um, they will be looking and talking to us about learning creativity and the art of adaptation. Diana and Alan are from Shapeshifters. They are the co-founders of Shapeshifters. Hello to you both and thank you for Hi. joining us. Hi, thank you. Great. Well, thanks for the, thanks for the interest, Steve. Um, and I think um, if, if all's good, we'll, we'll get started. Go for it. Okay, so you guys can see our screen okay? Uh, not yet. Not yet. I see you at the moment. <laughs> okay. Uh, how's that? There we go. Great. Done. Over to you. Great. Now, I want to start, guys, by sharing a story with you guys about my dad. Um, during China's Cultural Revolution in the early 70s, he worked as the head chef and cooking engineer for the People's Army. He was assigned to a rural outpost at a salt mine, and supplies were often hard to come by. Now, during one of these particularly harsh periods, he ran out of eggs. And for a cook, this was quite a calamity. All that remained was a single egg, which had to be divided up between more than 200 hungry soldiers. Now, my dad is a trained cook, and he knew that if you slowly pour an egg from a distance, it expands and creates the illusion of quantity. So in a moment of ingenuity, my dad said to his kitchen hand, fetch me a ladder. And moments later, he had placed the ladder right near the cauldron of steaming soup. He had beaten the egg and started pouring it from his hilariously high position and asked his kitchen hand to stir the soup slowly as the egg hit the boiling broth. And when this happened, the egg formed thin lines and seemed to multiply itself. Later that evening, when the troops lined up for soup, each one of them had egg in their bowl. My dad described this as a bit of a soft deception but lifting morale at that moment was what was needed. More eggs arrived a few days later, along with other essential supplies. Now, every time I think about this story, it reminds me of something that Einstein famously said, which is imagination is more important than knowledge. And what he was referring to was the ability to transcend one's own thoughts, to literally rise out of our ocean of cognitive fog and look beyond the horizon line, because we believe that creativity is the ability to change your perspective. It's also an attitude. It's the desire to think, move, feel, and build. It's the thing that, you know, nags at us when, we, when all we want to do is get comfortable and do what's easy. Years ago at school, my best friend's um, family had fallen on some financial troubles, and they were behind on their school fee payments. And the principal asked her to just pack her bags and leave. She was suspended until further notice. When I discovered this, I was quite frustrated and angry and sad, and I became restless. I wanted to help. So I drafted a letter to the principal, but you know, what could one teenager's complaints do? There was no time for me to turn to my classmates for help. So without really thinking too much about it, I sat at my computer that afternoon and I opened my email and sent the letter. Then I signed out and I registered for a new email address and I sent the letter from there and then from another account, and then I created another account and another account, until uh, by the end of the afternoon, I had sent the, that letter to the principal from 50 different email addresses. Now, I didn't mention this to anyone because I was quite, you know, I felt a bit nervous and guilty about it, but a couple of days later, my best friend called me up and she said that the, the, the principal had suddenly retracted her decision and my best friend was welcome back at school. No explanation, just a passing comment about some letter. 
Now, see, this is where my dad's attitude and yours, Tiana, showcases a creative approach or what we call thinking outside the box. It may not have been drastically new, but your attitude was open enough to see a different possibility, which brings us to the next point, which is creativity is divergent and convergent. In studies around creativity, it's frequently shown that there are two main types of thought processes, divergent thinking and convergent thinking. Now, as designers, we're no strangers to this. Divergence and convergence are built into design thinking frameworks. These systems are basically codified creativity for us muggles to attempt to replicate the genius of innovative thinkers like Nikola Tesla or Da Vinci. To those guys, it was just the way they lived. It wasn't a series of steps for them. It just came naturally. Now, on the other hand, because we don't typically nurture this lateral approach, it's not natural to us and we need systems to guide us. Now, I've been teaching for many years now and I like to give my students and my colleagues and even my clients these creativity tests. Now, these tests are a lot of fun, but they, require, uh, but they are quite challenging. And what they do is give us a baseline for our creativity and help us to build the creative muscle. Generally, they involve the remote associates test, otherwise known as the RAT, and the widely used Torrance tests. Now, an example of the Torrance test is the circles test, where you are given a set number of circles on a page and are asked to create as many circles, or as many things as you can from those circles. Um, this is about exploration, creating new possibilities. It tests your divergent thinking, which has been considered as true creativity, but we now know it's only half the story. Now the rat tells the other half of the story. It looks at our ability to make connections between things we already know. It's the pattern seeker within us, which is also highly creative. If we combine those two, we combine divergent and convergent thinking, we uh, would find lateral thinking. It's manifested as a creative genius. Like um, think Sherlock Holmes or Tony Stark. You know, in more than a decade of running these tests, I've rarely seen people who are actually extremely good at both. Um, and I've noticed that personality and environment and upbringing are big factors in this. In short, each one of us is inclined to be creative in ways that appeal to us personally. Now, this isn't surprising. If your parents put a football in your hand uh, when you were two, you'd probably be good at footy when you're 12. If you enjoyed singing and joined the choir from the age of five, it's likely that music would be a creative outlet when you're older. My mom tells me I picked up a pencil when I was one and I've been drawing ever since. But I think that the real question to ask is, can we expand this? Is it possible to tap into the creative world in all aspects of our life? Well, we're all born creative. And as children, we inherently ask questions. Um, we ask why, and not because Simon Sinek tells us to, it's because it's how we're wired. Why is the sky blue? Why is the caterpillar always so hungry? Or why do hobbits have hairy feet? Children aren't bothered by how their questions asked, uh, sound. They, they've got a license to ask these questions. Speaking of which, my daughter, Aria, she asks my wife and I so many whys, and sometimes it drives us slightly crazy, but it's her way of understanding the world and defining the rules and obviously breaking the rules. She has a big empty suitcase and she's on a mission to fill it with things of potential use to her, things that are of interest to her and things that are valuable to her. Now, as we grow up, we inherently begin to absorb the social and cultural aspects of the world around us. Our suitcase gets exponentially fuller and some things take priority over others. My mom and dad, both of whom are teachers, 
often reminded us to listen to the call. We need to listen um, and early on and respond because as we get older, the call gets quieter until we forget how it sounds altogether. We define it as the creative child within us. It feeds off of play, exploration and experience. It's this call that gave Isaac Newton his theory of gravity. It took Amelia Earhart around the world and it helped J.K. Rowling breathe life into Hogwarts. These are not random acts, although sometimes they might appear to be. They're the confluence of many different things, which is why we believe that creativity is nurtured. Whether for the light side or for the dark. <laughs> it starts when we're young, but from that point, it is either encouraged or it slowly diminishes. Um, funny enough, our school systems have a lot to do with diminishing creativity. They do well fostering a convergent approach, but often at the expense of divergent thinking. This only produces one approach, which is very linear and was very effective during the Industrial Revolution and the decades that followed, but it's not enough anymore. Today we stand on the brink of a new era and things are changing fast. Now there's this theory called meaningful learning. It emphasizes understanding the concept and being given time to absorb the idea. This is key to being able to formulate a solution or envision a new possibility, which is what we need today. It's almost like being able to see around corners. However, it takes time and requires customization. A learner must be given time to reflect, to play with ideas learned, pull them apart, put them back together, put them in different contexts, and then form a deep understanding of them by doing so. This takes time, uh, which is almost always in short supply. And you know, when we think about it, it's not so different um, to our professional lives. As teachers, just like countless other professions, we have mountains of administration to deal with. We're almost never given time to reflect or discover and envision new possibilities because there's always a deadline to meet. Besides, it costs too much and there's no clear outcomes to daydreaming. It's often difficult to put a time limit on developing a new idea, but different ideas and new approaches are the very thing we call creative. Think about it. How long did it take Beethoven to write his ninth symphony? Um, how long did it take Florence Nightingale to develop her medical procedures? The real question should be, what value did creativity, does creativity provide? It wasn't until I met Alan, who constantly pushes me to the edge of my limits, that I truly started to grow and feel more creative. Um, being surrounded by the right people makes all the difference. We all have the potential for innovation, but rarely do we get there alone. Now, one of the questions I often get asked is, what can I do to be more creative? And I always say, it's not one big thing, it's actually many small things. Even though both of our career paths might look like winding roads that seem to keep changing direction. Um, that's partly due to our creative restlessness. We've been lucky enough to always find ourselves in a space that allows us to explore and be creative. Although sometimes we've had to create that space for ourselves. And you know, that's actually the reason that we teamed up and started Shapeshifters and our motto is, better together. We've also been able to reflect on these experiences together and learn from them in order to guide our students in their own creative journeys. Now today we've put together seven learnings that we'd like to share with you. One, aim to be at your creative minimum, not your creative maximum. This is not for the fear of failure, but rather the understanding that there are too many variables at play and the moment of inspiration uh, the peak of creativity happens so rarely, and when it does, you often don't see it coming. 
So you should build small habits that create the environment for such moments to actually be possible. Yeah, back when we were working together in the same office, Alan and I would start the day with our favorite creative warm-up exercise, the two-minute challenge. Every morning, we'd pick a theme and draw the first thing that comes to our mind on a post-it note. We timed ourselves, two minutes on the dot. By the end of the two years, our office wall was full of daily doodles, and we were so proud. Oh my God, yeah, what's behind us? Not only that, our classroom, uh, classrooms were also full. We roped our teachers and students into it. It wasn't just for fun. It actually really helped us um, you know, set the tone for the rest of the day, actually. Um, it was the same as stretching uh, after getting out of bed or before going for a run. You're warming up your mental muscles and getting them ready to move. Number two, it's not what you know, but how you use your knowledge. In design, we emphasize on testing, uh, but we don't always put enough time uh, aside for reflecting. This is uh, possibly because there's always a commercial side to projects and time is money. Letting an idea stew or stepping away for a day or two seems costly, but we actually think it's critical. The, the cheetah leg is a breakthrough in prosthetics and it allows amputees to move like athletes. Van Phillips, the guy who created it, um, he lost his own leg at, when he was 21 and he was convinced that there must be something better than that wooden leg design that was around since World War II. What always fascinates me about his story is where he got the inspiration for the flex foot that he created. He's the perfect example for lateral thinking, making connections between seemingly unrelated pieces of knowledge. I mean, when you think about it, why does a prosthetic leg have to look like a human leg? Exactly. So he combined concepts from the spring of a diving board, his father's Chinese sword, and even movements of a cheetah's leg to create a new leg that allows him to jump and run. At JMC, my, my bachelor's students often come in straight from high school, expecting to be given the knowledge, the exact knowledge they need to get the answers right on the exam. Now, it's a real challenge to get them off the pedestrian footpath and onto the racetrack like people, of people like Van Phillips. Number three is uh, keep learning. Now, being creative is about accepting the fact that there's always more to learn, to do, and to explore. Studies show that new neural pathways um, actually light up in your brain every time you learn a new skill. When you're constantly learning something new, your brain performs better. It's also about understanding how you learn as an individual. So you need to reflect on how you best absorb new ideas. Now, the other side of this is learning together or learning from others. Surrounding ourselves with the right people, as I said before, it's extremely important. On one hand, it's about encouraging others to learn new things and keeping each other accountable. But more importantly, I think it's about challenging each other. Fostering relationships that encourage discussion allows you to widen your perspective and acquire multiple lenses that help you think divergently. Alan and I have experienced firsthand the adrenaline high of working with the right team and feeling the sparks of creativity fly as we come close to a breakthrough. It's pretty fun. Uh, four, use the right methods. So as visual storytellers, our method of choice is visual thinking, surprise, surprise. The act of visualizing your thoughts um, actually helps us make sense of them. Abstract concepts become more tangible and it's one of the most effective ways to, ref uh, to remember and reflect on what we've learned. It's also an incredibly powerful tool for uh, synthesizing information. And importantly, it draws people together to build on ideas, pun intended. 
whether it's writing or sketching, um, there's a special relationship between the hand and the brain. And having a notebook on hand is always a good preparation for a moment of ingenuity. Now, number five, play and play often. Think about it. When was the last time you played Lego? Have you ever seen how a tiger plays with its cubs? They look just like us. Play is an activity that any person or even animal can respond to. It's also one of those essential ingredients for creativity. It allows us to be free, it removes our inhibitions, and it promotes a flood of positive chemical reactions inside us, allowing us to be more inherently flexible. Basically, the more frequently we play, the more creative we get. Number six is respond to your creative voice. The more you silence that creative intuition, the quieter it will get. Until one day you forget, to, you forget it was ever there. Creativity is an action as much as a thought. Sometimes your voice is an urge to go swimming or walking or singing or dancing, but sometimes it's also an actual vo voice that is telling you to speak up or write or paint or code. We have to learn to recognize what that creative voice sounds like in order to hear its call. Now, allowing yourself to have enjoyable moments of creative freedom, whether it's letting your mind wander like while on a hike or doing the two minute challenge every morning, it trains the creative muscle and makes it more easily accessible in moments that call for innovation. Now, number seven is, and our final one, is uh, let go. All the previous points have been about setting up the space to be ready for the opportunity to be creative. But arguably the most important point is to understand that you can't control all of the outcomes. If you hold on too tight, you squeeze the life out of creativity. Let yourself and others be creative. This starts by actually building in some quiet time, away from the endless scroll, away from the streaming services, from all the pointless meetings and constant chatter. You actually need time to wander, to explore those misty mountains, literally and figuratively. You will never arrive at Rivendell to hang with the hobbits, or race through the sands of Tatooine to find the droids, or wander through the halls of Hogwarts if you stay tethered and bound by the limitless distractions. So learn to let it go. Like Alpha. Oh gosh. <laughs> Well, when we reflect on creativity and its ability to help us adapt, there's no secret step, no silver bullet, but there's an attitude. The kind that desires play, shows excitement and exploration, and is okay with ambiguity. We don't know what the future holds, whether it's going to be a dark place or a bright one, but if we have the collective imagination to envision a better future, chances are we'll find ways to make it our reality. Now, this brings me to something, uh that Bruce Lee once said, which is, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water in a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water in a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be like water, my friend. I think he was onto something. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you both. That was great. Thank you. Thanks, You're Steve. Welcome.